Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, joined by a very special guest on the in-season tournament day with Knicks Bucks. I'm joined by Justin Garcia of the Locked On Bucks podcast. We're talking about the things we think could make our teams win in this game, the things we think could make the other team win in this game, and then overall thoughts about how we feel about the in-season tournament going into this quarterfinal round and who we think might win this game next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube, I appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And I'm joined, as I said, by Justin Garcia of the Locked on Bucks podcast. And we got a lot of great stuff to talk about. I already told you what in the teaser, so why hold it up anymore? Let's get right into it. All right, it's crossover time, much like it's Nick's Bucks in the in-season tournament. It's Nick's Bucks on your Locked on feed today. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm from Locked on Nick's. He's Justin Garcia from Locked on Bucks. And we're convening to talk Knicks Bucks in season tournament today. Uh, we've seen one thrilling evening of matchups already, uh, Justin. And I I thought it was pretty good basketball being played both ways. As we're recording this, the second game is, I believe, still in the second quarter. So hopefully we'll finish recording this and then get to watch the second half of the uh the Pelicans and Kings game. But yeah, how are you feeling going into this uh this in-season tournament game, which the Knicks and Bucks kind of have a little, uh, little unfinished business to take care of, or at least unfinished from a Knicks perspective. For, yeah, and uh, for the Bucks, the business to finish is the first forty-three minutes of every game that they play in, because they have quickly become a fourth-quarter only team. Um, I think there's a lot of confidence with Bucks fans, just given that they beat the Knicks to start the group play of the in-season tournament. And I think the interesting thing, which we'll get to, is the Bucks and the Knicks have basically been the two best fourth quarter teams in the league uh, this season. And that's exactly what we saw in the first matchup between these two teams. Yeah, it is interesting. Like, I, you know, I think from the perspective of the Knicks, if I was going to just hop right in and give my first key for them in this matchup, you know, I think the biggest thing was that in that first game, they relied so much on Jalen Brunson. And he did his best to try to push them to a victory, but just couldn't quite get them there uh, by himself because that was one of Julius Randle's worst games of the entire season. I mean, he played that was the point where Gavin and I were starting to really be like, oh, man, like <laughs> it might be time to start thinking about life without Julius Randle soon. <laughs> like this is getting real bad again. Like we're getting flashbacks to two years ago when he was so underwhelming. And yet he's playing some of the best ball that he's played all season right now and is looking more and more like the second team all NBA guy again from last year. Uh, he's playing way more efficiently. He's doing a lot of good things with what's happening when teams are doubling him in the post. Now, granted, I I don't think the Bucks 
typically double him as aggressively as most teams because they have pretty capable defenders they could put on him, like, of course, Giannis. Uh, and so I'm curious to see how he's going to handle that because he's been he's been played a very certain way, and I think the Bucs are smart enough to maybe approach him differently, which could throw him off a little bit considering he's he's pretty much had a consistent look from every team the Knicks have been playing recently where he's getting doubled and you know generally just getting those opportunities to pass out of situations and, and create assists that way and get the ball moving for the Knicks. That was uh, that was one of the more interesting things about the first game was uh, how bad Julius Randle was in that game, and we had spent some time on um, on the Bucks Radio Network on the pregame talking about setting the scene of hey Julius Randle's a big part of this Knicks team, but he's been off to a really really bad start this season, and it carried over into that game. And I, you mentioned what Jalen Brunson did; that's also been a big issue for the Bucks all season. Jalen Brunson had a big game. Trey Young just had a big game. Uh, Alex Caruso hit some big shots in that improbable Bulls win against the Bucs a, a couple of games ago that um, the perimeter has been the issue for the Bucs, and we knew that would be the case with no Drew Holiday, but I think it's it's maybe been a step further than, than what most of us anticipated, that we have seen quite a few of these guards go off for 30-plus points against this team. So Jalen Brunson was one of the first to really get that going because that was like, game number five of the regular season for the Bucs. But I think the other thing is it wasn't just the Julius Randle struggles. The Bucs were very fortunate in that game that there wasn't really anyone that uh, consistently provided the Knicks with a, a second option offensively throughout the game. Quentin Grimes hit some big shots along the way and uh, quickly hit a couple of, of shots as well. But outside of that, I mean, we're very well versed in what to expect from Dante DiVincenzo. So his shooting performance was was right in line with what we've seen through the years. He'll have big games and he'll disappear offensively in others. And that, to me, was was the big uh, helper for the Bucks when they were still figuring out their defense. That was the first game where they played Brook Lopez in the drop, as as he's been most most accustomed to the last five years. But they were also benefited by the fact that it was pretty much just Jalen Brunson and no one else for the Knicks that night. Yeah, it's it's been a much more balanced attack for the Knicks. And like Brunson actually had a a game recently where, you know, I, I commented that I, I love uh, Clyde Frazier, our, our beloved uh, color commentator for the Knicks and, of course, one of the best players in the history of, of the Knicks franchise. But he said immediately following a game where Brunson had 12 points recently, like, oh, he kind of struggled the night before. And then... Brunson followed that up, I think, with his 42-point effort that he had recently. But, uh, you know, I thought that 12-point game was one of the best things for him because that was one of the ones where he finally it looked like he was looking more to switch into distributor mode and looking to get the rest of the team going. And I think that part of the, you know, for as much as you could say that there was any sort of struggle to the beginning of the season for him where he was shooting so well and scoring so many points and everything, you know, that on paper that looks awesome, but you can still look and nitpick a little bit and find some things that aren't working quite as well. And I think the the one thing was that he was a little tunnel vision-y. Like, he was a little bit just kind of looking for his own shot, was missing some guys open that, you know, it would be beneficial for the point guard to look at those guys in the perimeter or even just inside, like look for Mitchell Robinson if he happens to be open, you know, whatever the case may be. And lately he's been looking for that a lot more. Like, we're seeing a lot more like six, seven, eight assist games from Brunson on a regular basis now rather than before where it was like he would end with 25 points and like three assists or something at the starting point guard spot. Um, but between he and Randall, you know, we're looking at usually 
anywhere from 12 to 15 or perhaps more assists per game now at this point, which is great. I think that those two are, you know, combined with RJ Barrett are really starting to figure out a way to not just create offense for themselves, but to spread the ball around and hit the perimeter, hit DiVincenzo, hit Grimes when he's on. Uh, Josh Hart has been doing well enough from three that it's opening up a lot of things in his game. So really these last like four or five games, it's kind of been starless performances in many ways. Like they've just had a lot of guys chipping in in a lot of different ways, which I hope will be beneficial against the Bucks in this game. But, you know, that's sort of my key. I, do you have a certain thing that you're locked in on that you think like this is what the Bucks need to do to beat the Knicks again this time around? Because we do know how hard it is to beat a team twice in a row in the NBA as well. Uh, unless you're the Boston Celtics playing the Bucks or the Miami Heat playing the Bucks, then it's it's not quite uh, as difficult. But um, yeah, for me, the big thing, and this is something that we've harped on quite a bit on uh, Locked On Bucks on our radio broadcast for the Bucks too, and it, it's it comes down to rebounding because the Bucks did a really really poor job in that game, and um, that's been an issue for the Bucks throughout this entire season so far. They've routinely been one of the best rebounding teams in the league for the last five years. It's largely the same personnel except for Drew Holiday, and they've slid from a top five team to for a large chunk of the season. They were in the bottom 10. They had a pretty good week about a week ago, but they were also playing some very bad rebounding teams. Um, but still, it was a step forward for this team, at least. It became a bit of a problem once again against the, the Bulls over late last week, and then to a smaller extent against the Atlanta Hawks over the weekend. And that was a big part of what kept the Knicks in the game that first game because, you know, on paper, it should have been a blowout. That The Bucs hit 23s in that game. As we mentioned, outside of Jalen Brunson, there wasn't a whole lot of offense coming from the Knicks. The way they, they stayed in the game was offensive rebounding. And, and the job that Mitchell Robinson did in that game, I think half of his rebounds were on the offensive glass. And they were just able to get these second chance points and outplay the Bucks there. So it's been a, a common refrain for us so far this season. But to me, rebounding is going to be one of the big keys because you know the Knicks are good at it. And you saw how it kept them in the game last time when they didn't have a very good offensive showing. So you know, the law of, law of averages would seem to dictate this won't be one of those offensive games for the Knicks. So you especially can't give them those secondary looks. Yeah, it's... Uh... That's sort of the New York Knicks experience now is you might think that you're doing all right because you're holding them to 25% shooting from three or, you know, walling off the paint and, you know, they're, they're not hitting the percentage of looks that they should, you know, in at the cup, but they just keep coming at you and coming at you and coming at you. And uh, again, you know, I, and I spoiler alert, I think he's going to come up when we talk about what we each think the other team should do to win this game. Uh, but like Julius Randle has been kind of a key to that lately too, and that he's he's found his gear, I think, as well on the offensive glass. You have Josh Hart, who if he's out there as a three man, is a huge plus on the offensive glass. I mean, they just get offensive boards like crazy. Every single position rebounds better than I think the their positional average. Um, you know, better than you would expect for for whatever height they are, whatever size they are. And the Knicks clearly prioritize those sort of players, but it's all headed up by Mitchell Robinson, who's like getting so many offensive rebounds that at certain points earlier this season, he was averaging more offensive rebounds by himself than a few whole teams were averaging through the first like seven, eight, nine, ten games of the season. Uh, so it's it's pretty crazy stuff. 
and he's he's going to continue doing that. So if that's not something that the Bucks feel good about, it's it's going to be a long night because that's just that's what the Knicks thrive on. That's pretty much their their core tenet of their offense at this point is if you miss the shot, go get another one and keep getting them until you make one. <laughs> and that's pretty much the the way that they play offense at this point. Um, but Justin, I think we could probably take our first break real quick and then come back in and talk about what we each think the other team should do to win this game. Cause why not? You know, it's, uh, we've talked about what we think our teams need to do, but why not try to shoot it the other way and see if we're total fools or if we know what we're talking about. Uh, but first I got to remind everybody about our good friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook and FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of the NFL. And as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers are staying hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And as always, by and more, I mean same-game parlays. That's my absolute favorite thing to do on FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, uh, Justin, why don't we try to, off the top of our heads, build the same-game parlay real quick. Give me rapid-fire two things from the Bucks that you would pick that you think are surefire locks in this game. Um, I would say turnovers plus plus ten and a half would uh, okay. be up there. That there's going to be a high volume of turnovers, and um, I would uh, also put Brooke Lopez blocked shots two and a half. I'll say over there. Okay, I'm going to say Mitchell Robinson over four and a half offensive rebounds based off our last discussion, and I'm going to say I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm I'm going to say Emmanuel quickly over two and a half threes. So. In a vacuum, if you would go in on FanDuel and want to bet all those various things, they might not pay you that much. But if you go in and make a same-game parlay, you could put all those on a single ticket, maybe take what we just said to the bank, maybe say that we're fools and go bet at something different on tonight's game. But you can make it a little more fun for yourself and potentially win a bunch of money while you're doing it. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and it says kick off the NFL season. We're a little beyond that at this point. Kick off the in-season tournament knockout round. How about that? FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. All right, and we're back in to keep talking. Knicks Bucks in-season tournament uh, quarterfinals, they're calling this, I guess. It's a little weird I, that they're calling it. I would think this would be considered more like the East semifinal or something i don't know since they split it up in the east and west but they're figuring it out on the fly so we're calling it quarterfinals it's just the whole thing even though they split it east and west they're still going to pretend like that's like a you know everything is all just one big pool whatever uh which we'll talk about the whole in-season tournament in the final segment as well and and how we're feeling i still feel a little bit curmudgeonly and maybe i'm just trying to cling to what my initial thoughts were it seems like everybody's having a good time though so i'm willing to let that ride uh but justin i went i went first in the first segment uh, what's your, I, I'll throw it to you first here to start us off. What do you think from the Bucks perspective, looking at the Knicks, what is the thing that the Knicks need to do in this game to beat the Bucks? Um, well, one of them, the big one, uh, we've already kind of touched on and just given how the Knicks have been with this category this season and how the Bucks have been and how we saw the first game, it shouldn't be a big issue, and that's just win on the glass and the job that uh, Mitchell Robinson has done there to create those second-chance points for the Knicks. The Bucks have been plagued, as I mentioned, by 
uh, second chance opportunities by the opponents all season long. Uh, the Knicks had 16 offensive rebounds in that first game. It's not even close to the season high the Bucs have allowed. They've given up 20-plus to opponents two or three times already this season. So uh, if they do what they typically do, that's going to change the con- complexion of the game and get them some more looks because oftentimes we'll look at the box score and, and you'll you'll kind of say afterwards, where was this game won or or lost in those instances? And, you know, everything kind of lines up where it's it's right in line with one another. And then you see those uh, offensive rebounds and, and second chance points and those those secondary opportunities that the Bucs have given up to opponents. That's that's going to be a big key for the Knicks, and it's something that they should feel pretty good about going into this game. And also turnovers, I mentioned, have, have been a big issue for the Bucs. Their transition defense has, has been pretty poor so far this season, and I think there's a lot of confusion going on that we've heard messages from Adrian Griffin that, you know, you got to do one or the other. You either have to crash the offensive glass or you have to get back in transition. And I don't know if there's a singular message that's been given to the team for strategy or if it's just, hey, do one or the other. And that's where we're seeing a lot of these issues that uh, the Bucks have been killed in transition in a lot of games this season where opponents are scoring off a live rebounds. And that's going to be a key against this Knicks team is, is, I mentioned, not giving them those secondary chances but also limiting what they're able to do in transition. Because I think your audience certainly knows it, but I think ours with, with Bucks fans and a lot more of the national audience would be surprised to see the Knicks' offensive ratings where they are, that I don't think you would think of New York as a high-powered offense. They're very efficient. So that's another team that you just cannot give those second chances to. And and to me, it it really comes down to the rotations that Adrian Griffin has used this season We've seen a couple of times it happened against the Miami Heat where Eric Spolstra, I guess you would say, outcoached him and figured out how to use Kevin Love when Brooke Lopez wasn't on the floor and changed the complexion there. We saw a little bit of that, too, in that first game where uh, Brooke Lopez wasn't on the, the floor every single minute that Mitchell Robinson was. And I think that has to be something that the Bucks look to uh, in this game. So if I'm the Knicks, my thought is just we win on the glass like we typically do. And we pressure the Bucks' ball handlers, whether that's blitzing Damian Lillard to, to get the ball out of his hands more. Giannis has been much better as a playmaker and finding his teammates and guys are hitting shots now. But there's just more of a calming influence with Damian Lillard. And I think Bucks fans especially have, have been a little surprised by his playmaking, that you just think of Dame as the scorer with Portland, but he's been really good in that area. So the more you can keep the ball away from him, it's still been a little bit of a work in progress for for Dame to kind of reroute himself after he gives up the ball and his teammates to find him. So I think if you're the Knicks, we got to win those second chance points and win on the glass and and let's blitz their ball handlers and cause some turnovers. Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it. I mean, that has been the recipe. You you clearly did your homework here. That's been the recipe for the Knicks this year. Uh, And and maybe it's just that it's that good of of an overlap uh, with what the Knicks do versus what the, the Bucks yeah. do well or not well. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much exactly what the Knicks did in their last game against Toronto, if you want to call it their tune-up for the in-season tournament. But they they basically blitzed the heck out of the guys that weren't necessarily the guys that you wanted as like your main ball handler, which that's, of course, a totally separate problem where Toronto just doesn't have enough actual ball handlers on their team, uh, which I know is not as much of a problem with the Bucks, like Giannis is way more developed as a ball handler than any of the the long guys that the uh the Raptors task with doing that. However, 
I mean, it, they've done a really good job against any opponent this year of playing the passing lanes, of trying to funnel guys to where they want them, and then then throwing the swarm at them, and then knowing where the kickout's going to go, and trying to sort of funnel that pass to where they want it to go, and then getting out in transition, especially their bench unit. I mean, their starters are are doing a little more in that regard lately. Like Brunson was really pushing the pace in this past game. Randall was getting out in transition for some dunks and stuff, but really it's the bench like Josh Hart, Emmanuel quickly, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, and then RJ Barrett usually is the one out there with them. And they're going to, they're going to just run. They're going to, they're going to get that ball. They're going to take off and they're going to want to get in transition and either hit a three, which they've been getting more comfortable the last few games with hitting transition threes or get all the way to the hoop and finish. And then of course the offensive rebounding, we talked about a little bit already, but that's their calling card. That's like their, that's how you can have a team like the Knicks last year that was as low as they were in three-point percentage and things of that nature still be as high as they were in the offensive rating because they were just generating more possessions and generating more points as a result, uh, which was helping out their net ratings a lot. Now, that said, they're like they're like top 10 in three-point percentage now, which is really dangerous. I mean, if they keep doing that, uh, it's going to be tough stuff for a lot of teams, potentially including the Bucs. Uh, but if I want to switch my focus to the bucks here. I think uh, there's one thing that I'll try to replicate from that first game that maybe was partly due to this player and partly was due to what the bucks were doing as far as defending him. But I would try to make Julius Randall uncomfortable in this game. I think that he's, he's the guy that can potentially be the key here. I mean, he and Giannis in the past, I think Giannis generally as he does with most players has gotten the better of Randall, but they have had some games where they've, they've gone a little more toe to toe in recent years. Uh, where Randall, you know, has really taken it upon himself to take it, take things personally. And and it seems like he almost gets like a little vendetta against Giannis in some ways and wants to take it right into his chest every possession and do things of that nature. If you can get him uncomfortable early, if you can force him to try to get all the way to the hoop. Now, this is one thing he did really well in that Raptors game as well. He clearly identified this team has a lot of very long athletes, a lot of good shot blockers. I'm going to avoid getting all the way to the hoop and instead, you know, just get my shoulder into my man back up and then take a mid range shot, which I'm very good at and, you know, get a higher percentage look in the case of this game than getting all the way to the rim where it's just a bunch of arms flailing around. Uh, maybe he will have that same revelation against the bucks. Maybe it was all kind of a warm up, but I think Giannis is a different class of defender than say Pascal Siakam, which is going to make life a lot more difficult for him uh, because Giannis is, taller, longer, more athletic, better shot blocker, you name it. It's going to make life a lot harder on Randall uh, if he has to deal with him one-on-one. -on -one. And if he starts taking things too seriously uh, against just Giannis and doesn't look to try to create mismatches and stuff, things can be pretty tough for him. So if I'm the Bucks, he's the guy I zero in on because RJ Barrett has been struggling shooting lately. So unless he snaps out of that, then you've essentially got one guy who's slumping, another guy who's playing well that then you could take out of the game, and then all of a sudden you've turned this into a Jalen Brunson show again. And we saw how that worked the last time. There's only so much that one player can do against a team that's probably the favorite to make it out of the East this year. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But if if I'm the Bucs, I'm, I'm zeroing in on Julius Randle, and I'm like, let's get this guy uncomfortable, and let's make life hard for him because the game's been coming a little too easy to this guy lately. And like we need to make it hard again on him so that we can win this game. Yeah, and you know part of that too that's going to be interesting on the on the Bucks end is we saw some Jay Crowder on Julius Randle early. It was a lot of Giannis, 
in those minutes. But Jay Crowder has been one of the bigger stories for the Bucks this season with how he bounced back. And he's out until mid-January now with uh, some adductor surgery. So you don't have him. And you're suddenly pretty thin, not only on the perimeter, but up up top in the front court, too, for the Bucks. that you have three guys you really trust in Brooke and Bobby Portis and Giannis. But that's pretty much it, that um, we've even seen their perimeter take some hits recently. Pat Connaughton is not going to play in this game. He suffered an ankle sprain uh, in that final group play game against the Miami Heat. Marjan Bochamp missed some time with an ankle sprain, though he's back now. Andre Jackson Jr., a rookie they absolutely love, and who's done a lot of the defense dirty work and little things, he's taken on a lot of the tougher assignments early this season. He may not play uh, in that game either. So the Bucs are suddenly really thin on the wing, which could open up a lot for three-point shooting and guys like Quentin Grimes that we mentioned and Josh Hart and even Dante DiVincenzo. But it also kind of triggers the, well, what is plan B if Julius Randle gets going too? And if one of our guys gets in foul trouble, there's not many options left. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that like, I'm going to be watching from a Knicks perspective as well, because I think there's also... There's a, I, I think foul trouble could potentially play a, a part on either side here because we know how good Giannis is at drawing fouls as well. If he can get Julius Randle in foul trouble, that creates a situation where he might it, potentially have to throw Josh Hart at Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I don't think that's going to work super well for the Knicks either. So maybe we're in a you know a situation where that that could be something that helps determine this game uh, how well the teams are getting to the free throw line and who they're taking out of the game on the other side. Uh, that said, uh, I think it's about time that we take our second little break here and then come back in and just talk about the in-season tournament in general and how we feel about it, what we're thinking, maybe give our final predictions for this game, uh, you know, because that's always fun to be horribly wrong uh, while trying to exactly predict a game. Uh, but real quick, Justin, before we get into that, do you want to let everybody know where if they want to get some tickets that are surely more or sorry, less expensive than in New York, where they could go to get some tickets to go see this in-season tournament game. Surely no uh, more value and more ease to get these tickets, as I've already talked to the Locked On Bucks listeners in the past about my experience uh, trying to find some tickets to a Tigers game when I was in Detroit for SummerSlam and wanted to check out Comerica. I used somebody else, and it was just one nightmare after another. I wish I would have thought to use game time to make everything much, much easier for me. I could have seen where my seats are going to be, get a view from the seats, last-minute deals as well, and the best price guarantee is the big one. Takes all the guesswork out of buying your tickets to any event, whether it's a sporting event, like I mentioned, the Tigers. You go to an NFL game, an NBA game, an NHL game. You can go to plays, uh, Broadway, anything you can think of, concerts, you can use game time for all of those events. I mentioned the last-minute tickets, too, so you can use this up to an hour before the game and still feel secure that you're going to get the best deal possible. And all of the added features I mentioned, too, to be able to see what your view is going to look like and decide which ticket is best for you is one of the best parts of uh, game time. The low-price guarantee event cancellation protection as well makes this a no-brainer to make game time your go-to place when you need those tickets. And now, especially this time of year, you can't uh, think of what to get that sports fan or music lover in your life. You can use game time to get them seats to their show or a sporting event with the most ease out there. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NBA for $20 off your first purchase. 
that uh, code again on the Game Time app, Locked On NBA, and you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account and redeem that code, Locked On NBA, L O C K E D O N NBA, for twenty dollars off Game Time. Download the app today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, and we're back in to keep talking in season tournament and. I think it's about time, you know, we've, we've gone over what each of us thinks our team could do to win, what each of us thinks the other team could do to beat our team. Now it's time, I think, to just talk about the in-season tournament in general. As it's turned out, I don't think Gavin and I have gotten a ton of time to actually just talk about our feelings about the in-season tournament in general, because a couple of the times when there was like the, uh, uh, the various games going on, we were split up for solo episodes or whatever, and I've certainly let some takes fly about what I think about the in-season tournament so far. Uh, The long and the short of it is I was not a huge fan when the season started. Uh, I thought it was stupid. I was like, when I was looking at it, I was like, this just feels like the NBA trying to trick their workers into playing an extra game and only getting like a game check for it uh, or less than a game check for some of these guys, some of the bigger stars. And opening themselves up to more risk of injury and everything else. I think it's a little weird that every game up until the championship counts towards your regular season standings, and then you just play in this game like like it's at the end of time, like it's in Loki and Marvel. I don't know if you if you watch that show or not, but it's like a whole thing where everything's happening at the end of time or whatever. It's like this, and nothing counts there and all this stuff, and sort of feels a little like that. But that said, as this thing's gone on, like – the teams and players seem to be getting more into it. Uh, the I don't know. They they seem to be motivated. Like the Knicks specifically have talked about like, well, we want to like do this for our end of bench guys. We'll get them a 500, 500 grand bonus, you know, which is like for some of those guys, like over half their salary or around half their salary or whatever. It, it, you know, if nothing else, a huge bonus for them. Um, you know, it seems like they I guess you just throw anyone competitive and, and you know, a professional athlete into any form of tournament setting and they're going to get up for it uh, because they're professional athletes and they have pride and they like to play for things. Um, but I don't know, like, Justin, what was your what was your thoughts on this tournament to begin the season? And like, do you feel like it, your thoughts have changed at all on the in-season tournament as the season's gone on? Um, my thoughts were mostly coming in more indifference that I was kind of curious to see how this was going to work out. I think when it was first announced, everybody was trying to wrap their head around, what do you mean group play is, is mixed in with the regular season games and, and how is this going to work exactly? Um, but I mean, the the more we've seen of it, the more I like it. And uh, I haven't had any issues following along with what the scenarios are and uh, distinguishing everything. Now I've had the added benefit of being on calls with the league where they walk you through here's this and this and this. So that's been helpful. Um, But I think, look, you're never going to steal all the attention this time of year, but I think they've at least taken a small slice of the pie of at least getting people talking about it. It may not be that they're watching these games intently, but you see the court and that creates a talking point. We've seen some of the city edition jerseys that creates some of the attention as well, but just having something new, I think has at least peaked interest of some people that otherwise on a Tuesday night, they may not be watching your product or even paying attention. And now 
they see the court, they think it's unique, they think it's interesting, they stick around for a little bit. And we've seen these games be competitive for the most part too, which is which has really helped uh, outside of the blowouts that we've seen. But that's also added some intrigue too, that you know, wanting to see how teams handle this. And the Bucs are one of those teams from day one that said they were cognizant of point differential. They blew out the Hornets in their second game and they left their starters in the game late. Uh, not quite what we saw the Celtics do to the Bulls. Uh, over the weekend, but they left their starters in late and Adrian Griffin talked to Steve Clifford and, and told him, look, we're just trying to to kind of increase our point differential. We're not trying to disrespect you and the same thing they did to the Wizards. So I think that's added some more to it as well, where, where fans are interested to see like, how much are they going to win by? And, and are we going to see any players get upset by this, which we've seen pop up a few times. So uh, for me, I wasn't in the I don't like this and I don't get it from the get-go. It was more wait and see. And um, I think it surpassed my expectations. They weren't super high, but it's it still surpassed what I had. Yeah, I think the I think the one thing you just touched on is the one thing that won me over more than anything, which is just seeing these teams ridiculously run up the score like like it's a game of NBA 2K and you're just trying to juice your stats and like you know, go crazy on some other, some poor, you know, bottom dweller team. And like, I mean, the poor Wizards and Hornets, I mean, they were the ones that completely buoyed the Knicks point differential too. They got them into this thing. Uh, they got them in as the wild card because they just absolutely slaughtered both of those teams too. Well, and the Bulls got the Celtics in. Otherwise, it would be the Magic representing. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was interesting to see that happen. I wonder if in the future, if they're going to, find some other way to make that, you know, make the the differential like the third ranked thing amongst the, the stats that potentially are tiebreakers or whatever going forward. But I don't know. I think just for like four games a year to have it be completely acceptable to run up the score and throw out all of the old, like, you know, curmudgeonly like rules of, you know, just like, oh, you got to respect the game, the respect rules. your opponent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you um, know, all the unwritten yeah. rules are just like ripped up and thrown out and forgotten about. I don't know. It's kind of fun. It was, uh, and I, I would just, yeah, I would just quickly add to that. Um, that will be interesting if they keep it at four games. There's no other way around it. Then I, I wonder if one of the tweaks next year is we see it increase to if it's even eight games that you play in group play where you play each team in your group home and away that that counts towards it. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see an increase there. The last point too, that you made about um, that final game, I don't really have a problem with it. I think that's potential for tweaking as well. I've seen a few people point out if you win, you count that game in the standing. So that way you would basically have the tiebreaker for any scenario. Cause you'd have that extra win and a higher winning percentage. And that's the other interesting part of these games is now the Bucs are going to play the Knicks five times this season. So if they're in a tiebreaker for the three seed or, or somewhere like that, you're going to go by head to head. And it's going to be the same for the Bucs with uh, either the Pacers or Celtics, depending on this result. They'll play those teams five times as well. So that's kind of been one of the, the subplots that has made it even more interesting. Yeah, it, that is kind of interesting, too. And, and I guess the whole wrinkle of if you start counting that that in-season tournament final is then like, well, then the other team gets a loss. So then it, it does that count? Like, do you want to like punish so if, that? If you team? lose, so in that scenario, if you lose, it's just, it the game doesn't count. It's just okay. if you win, you would get that extra win so you could break any tie. 
Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I actually thought, you know, I I think it was Tyrese Halliburton had this idea of saying if you if you win the in-season tournament, you lock in at minimum the sixth seed in your conference. So you skip the play in and have a guaranteed playoff spot. I know that could be kind of dicey too. If then you have a team that gets like 30 wins by the end of the season, that just yeah, happened. You to... have a major injury that pops up where right. all of a sudden the team is like, that's really the succeed. And plus look, the league is doing this to make the regular season compelling and interesting. And if you do that, you're giving that team the freedom to just say, we don't really care about the rest of the regular season and we can rest guys and deal with fines. Cause we know we'll finish at least sixth. Yeah, it is interesting. There's a lot of, a lot of calculus to go with this whole thing. I will say it's more promising than I thought. I do think it needs more tweaks. I'll let all the people that make more money than me figure that out uh, and work for the league office or whatever. But oh no, I came in ready to hate it. I've left at at worst indifferent, at best enjoying the blowouts and stuff. So it's been it's been a heck of a ride, uh, Justin. Before we sign off and and you know just go watch this game tonight. Uh, I think we should give our predictions. I don't know. What's your, what's it? Let's just say, uh, how, uh, don't pick exact score or anything, but if you were going to guess who wins and by how many points tonight. Um, all right. So this is tricky for me as an employee of the team that I usually refrain from giving predictions. I'll say I, if I were a Bucks fan, I would feel pretty confident in this one because their offense is really starting to click uh i haven't seen what the spread is but i think this is going to be a close game that it's i think this is going to be very similar to what we saw the first time these two teams played where it was one of the first clutch games that the bucks had where they've been nine and three so far this season both these teams have been really good in the fourth quarter i expect the knicks to shoot better than they did in the first game and i expect damian lillard to look even better than he did in the first game as well malik beasley's another guy that's really come on offensively uh, for the Bucks, so I, I think some of those areas we pointed to to say the other team is probably going to do a little bit better apply to both of these teams. So it should be another close one. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I am not an employee of anyone other than locks on here, so I'm going to go ahead and say I think you know I'm going to just be a homer. Screw it, Knicks. Uh, <laughs> Knicks by three. I think they'll pull it out. I think this one it'll be. I, Similar to the last game, super tight. Things will be ugly, uh, but I, I think they pull this one out. I think they've been playing really well lately, and and I'm willing to put my faith in them to win this one. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stake you know whatever reputation I have on that just for this this one particular moment. So anyway, Justin, this is great, dude. Thanks for thanks for chopping it up with me, getting ready for this game. Uh, hopefully, we get an entertaining result to continue a a surprisingly cool in-season tournament. Um, but yeah, unless you have anything to add, I think we can uh, wrap this one up and just get ready to go watch this game. Yeah, hopefully it's entertaining. And I think Bucks fans would say, you know, entertaining doesn't have to be a close game. I think we've had enough of those that we could go for a 10-plus point win at this point. That would be nice. That would be nice from both perspectives because, I, you know, the Knicks, Knicks have had some blowouts against some less than great teams, but every game against a good team seems to go right down to the wire. So, yeah, maybe maybe one way or the other. Let's just let's just make this one a, a nice, easy one on both of our hearts for one night. Uh, at any rate, thanks, everybody, for listening on both feeds. 
Uh, both of us will have game recaps for you guys coming up. Uh, whichever one of our teams wins, we will be there to cover it for you on the Locked On Knicks and Locked On Bucks feeds, respectively. But until next time, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll both talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody.